Welcome to the Full Disc Aviation Podcast. Welcome to Episode 10 of the Full Disc Aviation Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Moore, and with me is my friend, Ryan Tykosh. How are you doing, Ryan? I'm pretty good. How about yourself, Nick? Well, I'm doing all right. We've actually uh, having a few days of warm weather here before the snow comes back. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's getting a little bit more mild here as well. Yeah, well, speaking of mild weather, way back in Episode 1, Ryan and I spoke at length about the amazing times we both have had at EAA AirVenture Oshkosh. Our guest for this episode is part of the reason we had such a good time. Coming to us from Wisconsin, EAA staff photographer Connor Madison. Welcome to the show, Connor. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm great. It's good to be on. Really appreciate you coming on with us. And with that, let's just jump right in. So we just established that you are the staff photographer for EAA. Can you give us a little insight on what that entails? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I work year-round. Um, a lot. Of, it's kind of funny, like a lot of people locally don't really realize that EAA functions, you know, outside of the one week in July. Um, so I'm responsible for just about any piece of photography you'll see, uh, whether it's merchandise, um, in-house advertising, and then of course, like the actual, like aviation stories you see in our publications. So, uh, just really briefly, that's, that's the whole general sweep of it. Yeah. How long have you been in that position? Um, so I just passed over two years in November. Okay. And I'm just kind of curious, how uh, how did that all come to be? Yeah, it was uh, pretty crazy. So I, I grew up going to AirVenture. I've basically never not gone to it outside of maybe one year. Um, and just, you know, that's kind of where my love of photography started and everything. Uh, in 2016, like right before AirVenture, um, I shared a photo on the, the Vintage Association page uh, for, for EAA. Uh, and just something I'd, I'd really taken a liking uh, to shooting at night in front of the Red Barn. There, for those that are familiar with the grounds, uh, they've got this neon sign with the Vintage logo. And they always park, like, just the Star aircraft kind of right in front of there. And it's super cool. Uh, and I had shared one of those photos. And their page admin reached out to me. He's like, hey, uh, who are you? What do you do? Like, do you want to come take photos for Vintage? I'm like, I just like airplanes <laughs> and uh so so yeah i uh met up with him and he happened to be uh really close with the former staff photographer and sent all my stuff to her and she's like oh this is really great uh can you take more for us and that just i started volunteering after that and then when she left uh her boss who was familiar with my stuff at that point uh called me is like hey uh what do you think about coming to work here so that's that's pretty much how that all came. And it, I mean, it was just like out of nowhere, you know, I had, I had been really serious with photography about like three years prior to that. And, you know, I was trying to like reached out to a ton of different places. Like, Hey, I go here every year. Can I shoot photos for you? And like never got a response or anything. And just the fact that it was that easy, it just how that all unfolded was, it still blows my mind to this day. So that's pretty cool. I, I don't remember the episode number, but when we had Doug Glover on, um, he was talking about how there are there are very few full-time paying positions in aviation photography, and um, you know, you 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 wound up in one of those. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I 
I still like weekly, you know, walking through the museum, like how, how is this my job? This is too cool. So yeah. Yeah. Well, awesome. So, um, now that we've established that Ryan and I are very jealous of what you get paid to do, <laughs> uh, let's go back in time a little bit. What, sure. What, what really got you into aviation? Um, I mean, yeah, really, really air venture, honestly. So my, my grandpa, uh, is a pilot or was a pilot. He's not current. Um, and I think like for him, it started, he grew up in Oshkosh and there was a, uh, from the story he's told me, it was like a, like a military show or something almost that was here in the, this would have been like the late forties or something like that. And he was a boy scout and their troop was where they had the job of parking cars for this. Uh, and as a reward for that, uh, Steve Whitman, who was the airport manager, gave them all a ride. And I think like the tailwind or something like that. So he got to fly with Steve Whitman and was just like, oh, okay, airplanes are awesome. And I mean, he, you know, he grew up during World War II. So that, I mean, I think kids of his age, it, it's hard not to take notice of aviation just with how large of a role it played in the war. So that stayed with him. And so he basically wants... EAA and the convention came to Oshkosh, he started volunteering and has never stopped. He still volunteers um, every year. And so when, when I was born, like I was four months old in my mom's stroller around AirVenture and just never stopped. I'm like, oh, this is cool. Uh, and my, my hometown of Manitowoc, Wisconsin had an air show for, I don't know, from somewhere in the mid-90s all the way to like 2013. And so uh, my parents' house is less than a mile from the airport and so everything would always fly over our house and I just I've always thought it was it just grabbed me and has just never stopped like there have been certain as certain times like growing up where it was less of an interest but it just never left so did um you know along those lines did you know were you into modeling and things like that oh yeah yeah um my so my mom's brothers uh were all into that as kids and so i kind of like grew up around the stuff they had built growing up and was like oh this is cool so i think when i was 10 um i got a uh the blue angels f-18 model for uh probably my birthday and a um the Smokey and the bandit trans am is that my best friend and i grown up that was like one of our favorite movies always and so i think i built the trans am first and it was horrible and the f-18 was horrible uh but i just i just, something about it like oh this is fun Bef like before that i you know had legos as a kid and everything and that was cool and this to me like was better because they looked a lot more like the real thing and uh pretty much from that age uh till i went to college i was totally consumed by model building uh that's and it's still uh just took a break in college just being busy with that but uh it's still uh one of my biggest hobbies so that that definitely helped fuel the fire well, we're going to get into air venture specifically here in a little bit, but just kind of a funny side story. I, I think it'd be good for you to tell. Um, this year, um, in uh, in the Warbirds area, there was a. I just happened to be walking by and realized that there was the XP fifty one, the XP eighty two, and about every flavor of P fifty one Mustang parked in a uh, in a certain fashion. And uh, I understand you had a little bit of part in that. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah, that's just another one. Like the, the opportunities EAA provides are just, uh, they're, they're like not even, so I, I tell everybody about that. Like that wasn't even a dream like I'd had cause I didn't think it was possible. So the, the XP 51 was kind of the, this 
center point of that, which, you know, has been in the EA Museum since it opened. Like, and I think all of us were under the impression that it'd never leave, because, you know, that, that airplane's a national treasure. That's the oldest surviving Mustang. It's the fourth one ever made, the first prototype for the U.S. Army. Like, it's just so important. And, like, a little bit of backstory. Um, I can remember both at the Mantuak Air Show in Oshkosh, like the P-51 was probably like the first airplane that just jumped out of me. I'm like, that's my favorite. And it's always kind of remained that way. Um, so anyway, uh, in the, the months leading up to AirVenture, um, it was probably maybe May or, or early June. Um, the, it came down that, yeah, so the, since the, the XP-82, the twin Mustang was coming, um, and the couches had announced that they were going to bring the, the H model from the West Coast. Um, it kind of all clicked that, okay, we're going to have almost the entire Mustang family here. And my boss called me in his office. He's like, hey, so this is going to happen. Like, we'll talk to Connie Bolin and we should set up a family portrait on the Warbird Plaza. Like, oh, this is going to be too cool. Uh, and so he's like, you know, draw it out so we can show her uh, exactly uh what you want to do and i'm like if you've ever seen me draw like that is no <laughs> it's just not a good idea and i was like well uh actually like uh back in march i had with my model building stuff i was like you know what uh mustangs my favorite airplane i really need to have a lineup of all of the mustangs and so i built an a model a b model a c model a d an h a k i did an RAF mark one and then of course i have a twin Mustang, like kind of in progress, but it was like together enough that I could use it. So anyway, I just brought all of them. I had a bunch at work in my office. Uh, I took them into our photo studio and just pretty much started lining them up. And I like, the second he said that, like my brain started going and I'm, I, I, my brain never shuts off with, with creative stuff like that. I'm just always thinking about it. Um, and so I kind of had a pretty good idea of what I wanted. And I, sort of came up with three different lineups using the, so they're all 48 scale models. Uh, and then just took pictures with my phone and showed it to him. I was like, I think this is what we want to do. Um, and then I also went on Google earth and scaled, uh, some three view drawings. They're basically like a top profile of all of the airplanes, uh, scaled them to, uh, the Warbird Plaza just to make sure it would actually fit. Uh, and we presented that to Connie and she's like, all right, it's, it's a go. So it was, it was really cool to be able to, use the models and like set it up and then like actually have the real airplanes. And I mean, the, the biggest credit goes out to the line crew. Cause I, I mean, they spent forever getting everything like just perfect. I mean, it's, it lined up exactly the way I wanted it to. So it was, it was amazing. I think like, like probably up there is my favorite photo opportunity of all time. I think just with my love of the Mustang and, and the rarity of everything we had there. So yeah, that was that was very cool, and you know, I just I stumbled upon it um, that evening when I was walking by there, and I mean, just got a few shots just from the ground, and everything even that was set up on the ground was was awesome. And then you know, to realize that after the fact that you were because you were in a boom lift, weren't you? Yep. Yep. Yeah, and uh, so able to get up there and, and kind of get the the top down view of it was was really slick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Yeah, just. Uh, unreal I, I still can't i have a, a picture of it right over my desk i'm looking at right now i just i look at it every day like how how did that get to happen that's just <laughs> <Yeah>. too cool <laughs> let's move on to the photography side of it um when did that love of photography start for you um i i don't know if i could like pinpoint an exact year maybe when i was like 
uh, between like 10 and 12, something like that. My, so my grandpa and my mom are both, um, I would say like serious amateur photographers. They don't have DSLRs or anything. They get like higher, higher end point and shoot stuff. And like, they always, I mean, they shot, they shot film stuff a lot and they're both like, they're both really good. Like they have the eye for it. Um, so when they like, my grandpa got a new camera and we're going to AirVenture one year and he's like, Hey, you should use this for the day. He handed me his old camera. Like, Oh, this is the best. Um, and that's, that's really kind of what sparked it is like, Hey, I can actually like, capture all this awesome stuff that I see every year. Um, instead of just trying to take it from memory. Um, and that, so that kind of, um, that, that's really where it started. And I would, you know, non air show season, I'd, I'd shoot like my, my guitars or whatever. Not, not a lot, but, but some, and I, I just thought it was fun. Um, but it wasn't really till, uh, really till I got into college. Um, again, I just had like a higher end Olympus point and shoot. Um, I met another friend that lived in the, the dorm with me and he was like really serious. He had a, I think like a Canon T2i or something like that. And was, he was like outstanding still is like, he's just he's an awesome photographer and he, he had the whole Lightroom and Photoshop set up and like showed me everything. And it, it just blew my mind. I'm like, oh, okay, there's, there's a lot more to this. And, um, I think then like the following summer, um, I actually, my parents helped me get a DSLR. Um, and that, yeah, it was pretty much like every day on from then everything and anything that I could shoot. And then obviously like airplanes are the main focus. Cause that was my biggest interest. Like I really wanted to be good at that. And, and it was just like, kind of like the first thing that I felt like I could be like, there, there's nothing limiting me and that I could be like as good as I wanted to be with however much effort I wanted to put into it. Do you remember what your, uh, first experience shooting an aircraft was um trying to think through well i I mean i could tell you the first time like with a dslr at an air show it would have been uh the manitowoc air show in the the caf red tail mustang was there and that was pretty much like the manitowoc show wasn't big but they'd always get like one or two really good aerobatic pilots uh john moore if you guys know Mm -hmm. he he flew the stock steerman like probably maybe the best steerman pilot i've ever seen or we ever will see like that guy was amazing uh he was a regular um and then they they'd usually try to get like one or two or three warbirds um Paul Kepler and Jeff Caney would bring their jets up. Um, that's when uh, they had like the L-39 and the T-33. But anyway, so the, the Red Tail Mustang was kind of like the, the highlight warbird there. And it's like, oh, this is awesome. Like Mustang in my own backyard. Um, and I, I like, I will never forget when he was, uh, he had launched and something else flew. And like, he's coming around the corner like, this is going to be so cool. And I was like so excited just to see that fly that my photos are garbage. And <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, like a shutter speed. That's probably shooting like too slow, actually. So like everything is super blurry and... Um, yeah, I just like that that first summer, um, just just shooting as much as I could and and getting like, I probably have like I don't know ten or fifteen photos out of there that I still look at. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty good. So you're doing better than I am. <laughs> Remember my my first experience, it you know involved my DSLR in an air show that I didn't think I was going to get to go to, and I just mashed the shutter down, and I just have this, you know, one frame per second. Uh, video it almost looks like just oh, yeah, you know, yeah. tracking it from from afar with with a uh, 55 millimeter lens so <laughs> that's still better than mine my first experience was uh 
a Willow Grove uh, base as a kid uh, with one of those little one-time use disposable cameras. So every picture is just like, I got the Blue Angel Diamond doing their pass, and it just looks like four tiny specks like three miles away. Yeah. And I somehow managed to cut the nose off of an F-16 too with that wide range <laughs> of a view. So, yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I mean, I remember starting out, like, really, like, even, like, with the point-and-shoot stuff, like, I just want to get the airplane in the center of the frame, and if I did that, like, oh, that was perfect, and I, like, before going to the DSLR, I hadn't, like, really thought about shutter speed until someone's, like, said to me, he's like, oh, all your, I, like, you know, I had a lot of, quote-unquote, nice photos for, for what gear I had, uh, they were they were all just you know like center frame and everything, but like no prop blur at all because I wasn't I just hadn't thought of that. And somebody said to me, "It's like well these are all garbage. Like you don't have prop blur. You know I was devastated, but I thought about it. I'm like, well yeah, I guess if that's moving, you probably should represent that. And so that was like you know then that becomes the focus. Uh, but yeah, I can remember like the first time maybe got like a like either arrow shell or maybe an A10 like just dead center of the frame, like nothing cut off, and it was. It was sharp. I was like, "Oh, this is a, like this is cool." So yeah, it's like like playing golf. You go and you know, as long as you just have that one shot, then you know you want to come back the next time. Yeah, exactly. Yep. What uh, what do you have in your in your personal photo bag right now? Um. So yeah, my gear's a bit dated because I, um, I to be honest, like with with my job now, I don't I don't shoot too too often like on my own which i really need to do more of um but you know time priorities but uh i've got uh so i shoot nikon um i've got a d7100 and a d5200 so all all dx crop stuff and then i've got um got like a, a prime your basic prime kit like the 35 50 and 85 18 um, and the, uh, Nikon makes a 16 to 80 f2.8, uh, which for, you know, for that gear, like the DX stuff, I, I like that lens a lot just for walking around when I'm on vacation and stuff. It's just seems to be a really nice medium range. Um, and then I think I've got like a 70 to 300. So, um, really looking to, I obviously need full frame stuff and I like I've uh I've gotten into to renting like just for some one off stuff. Um and I, I tried out the, the Sony, um, the A seven three. Uh I really like that, so um yes, yeah, so my, my personal kit isn't too flashy, but it, it, it works for the little shooting I do right now. Yeah. Uh on that note, what gear do you have for your at your disposal uh through work? <laughs> Uh, yeah, so my... Uh, All of it? Yeah, more or less, yeah. So again, uh, Nikon, uh, um, I have... So my my main use, like, every day, I've got two D5s, and then, the you know, like, the 14 to 24, 24 to 70, 70 to 200. Like, that's primarily um, what, what I use the most. Um, and then, you know, for, for actual air show stuff, I've got the 200 to 400, which is a phenomenal lens. Um, and, and we've got some prime stuff too. I've used, uh, we do like lifestyle, um, shoots for, for merchandise. I've, I've used the, the 5114 quite a bit. So, and then I also have the D850, which uh, is my primary camera for air to air stuff, uh, just for the massive re- resolution. Yeah, I rented that for uh, for the show at Nellis this year, and that's it's quite a camera. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Do you, do you utilize the battery pack for it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cause that, you, you were the one that explained that to me cause I was, I'd, I'd rented it uh, for the Chino show earlier in the year and was just sorely disappointed with the frame rate of it. Didn't, I hadn't done my homework. And, and I think when we were talking in the photo building uh, up at Oshkosh kind of mentioned that, uh, you know, it, the battery pack gets you a couple extra frames a second. And, and, uh, so I ordered that the next time and I was really impressed with, with what it did. Mm -hmm. For, for me too. I mean, I have, I have bigger hands, even my, my personal cameras, like I have battery grips on those. Like, it's mm -hmm. just the, the extra grip it adds to the cameras yeah. is so much too. Balances it too. So, absolutely. Yeah. I know, uh, you know, one of my favorite things when, when I volunteer up there is to get to use the, uh, the 500 prime. Is that something you guys also have, or is that just specific, uh, from NPS for the show? Yeah. Those are just the, just from Nikon for the show. Um, like even, even during the year, uh, I mean, we've got our ski plane flying come up, but there's, there's not a ton of use for as expensive as a lens sure. that is. So yeah. yeah, those, those are just, uh, um, just on loan for the, the show. Cool. I'm the odd man out with my Canon gear. <laughs> <laughs> it's you know it, it's just it's user preference i so i i walked into the camera store when i was going to buy my first camera set on canon and uh my my parents were with me and they just asked the salesman he's like well what are you shooting he's like well, i actually shoot nikon and here's a comparable nikon um and and that was the the d5200 which i still have and for starting out um that I don't know if, if you guys are familiar with that camera at all, mm -hmm. but it has like on the, the LCD when you're not in the live view, it's got what they, I think they call like the dashboard and it shows you like your shutter speed and your aperture on uh, your ISO, like as actual dials and functions. And so like, especially the aperture looking like an iris, like it really helped understand how that worked and what that was. And just like the way it brought the information to me just seemed like it was way easier to understand than, than the Canon stuff. And so I just went with it and have stuck that way. And I mean, obviously if one was truly better than the other, the, there would only be one brand, I think, but that's it's a very good way to put that. That's, that's the way I've always thought about it. I'm like, it, it's fun to be like, yeah, Nikon's better than Canon or whatever. Yeah. Like, it's just fun to play around with that. But yeah. if, if the gear works for you, that's, that's what's important. Yeah. It really all comes down to who's the person carrying the camera. Exactly. So a very large part of EAA's mission revolves around the annual convention referred to as AirVenture. Uh, this convention and airshow brings five to 600,000 visitors and around 10,000 aircraft equipment field in Oshkosh. With all that being said, how much of your job would you say revolves around AirVenture? It's hard to say because we're, you know, we're never done with it. Like basically the second it's over with we you know we debrief and thinking about what we can do better for next year and just you know being a person that is always thinking about those things i'm i'm constantly thinking about you know there, there's a you guys being on the photo team it's not it's not just us capturing the air show i mean there's a lot of different events that go on that we capture and then there's of course the air to air stuff so there's always things to think about um but like i mean really the the lead up like pretty much all of July, all of June, um, is there, there's still other stuff going on, but like our focus is really, really hardcore on that. I think, you know, I feel like the, the quickest way to get an eye roll out of an EAA staffer is say, Hey, AirVenture's over with, you can relax. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and two, I, I mean, you guys know the amount, well, I mean, anybody that's gone that's shot, like, you know, the amount of photos you shoot, 
the the month after Adventure, like uh there there's still like I'm editing my own stuff that I didn't get to edit during the week and also cataloging and doing metadata of all the stuff we shot and I mean we've got sport aviation. I I'm trying to think with our just our production schedule, like it's you know, it's a rush to work on that and me like combing through all the photos and getting the best stuff that I didn't find during the week. Um yeah, it it like it it doesn't really feel like it calms down honestly until until september and you know there's other like we've got other stories to capture there's other stuff to shoot so it keeps going so i i think i know the answer to this but how many staff photographers for ea are there well it really just me and an intern um we have we now have uh a multimedia journalist she she does shoot uh but she does photo video and and journal stuff but i'm i am the one dedicated photographer Right, and kind of my point being that uh, a you know giant part of how AirVenture works is is the volunteer effort, and um, you know it's it's a blast. I can speak for myself, and I think Ryan would agree. But um, I'm kind of curious. I I I don't even know how many volunteers are there roughly in the in the photo department. I don't know the exact number offhand, but we have like I th- I want to say like thirty or. Yeah. Or a little bit more than that. Yeah, we have, you know, a few people that just kind of jump on and, like, during, we'll find someone during the week and, and they'll they'll help out. But, yeah, it's, uh, uh, to me, that's, like, the best team in the world. Like, love everyone on the team. Like, we all have such a great time. And then they're all really good photographers and they knock it out of the park every year. It's, it's truly a pleasure to work with everybody on that. Definitely could not do it without you guys. <laughs> yeah, I can. It's It's a lot of fun. Um, we're definitely glad to be a part of that team. It's good to have you guys on. I know, you know, part of kind of the, the Holy grail of, you know, aviation photography is the air to air stuff. Um, kind of talk about, um, you know, a little bit about how the, the air to airs are scheduled. Um, I understand you guys do them pretty well every morning and every evening, as soon as, you know, as soon as the airspace opens, um, you know, is that all planned well ahead of time or is a lot of that kind of, thrown together the night before or you know how does how does that all work yeah so uh we have uh two volunteers that that help coordinate like their sole job they they coordinate with the pilots and our pilots and get them scheduled uh doug and amanda greenfield i mean they are you want to talk about like essential team members it's those two um so i mean in terms of like i mean we know going into it like obviously we want to fly as much like every morning and every afternoon if we can if, as long as we have airplanes but we don't like aside from if we know ahead of time that something cool is coming that's like obviously we want to shoot that a lot of it you know starts to roll in with the writers finding stuff saturday and sunday um and we have a, a staff member that runs our briefings for the pilots so our coordinators the writers kind of pick out the airplanes bring that stuff to us our coordinators meet with the pilots get them in a briefing, get them on the schedule. Um, and then, yeah, we, we pretty much, it's, I mean, a max load, try to do three airplanes in a morning or an afternoon. And it's yeah every morning, every afternoon. Um, and this year, even I shot, uh, one airplane, like the Monday after in the morning, we were supposed to do two. And then I did another one that night and I did another one Tuesday. So even for me, like air venture, like the last two years hasn't kind of wound down till like Wednesday or Thursday of the week after. Um, but uh, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's, yeah. that's in a nutshell. That's kind of how that all works. Awesome. 
pertaining to the air venture and the the staff t- the team how do you go about planning the actual coverage of all those uh those uh, smaller events within the the week right um so in the the months leading up to um we have we put out to the whole company like hey if you have something that you want covered or photo coverage of during the event uh you need to put in a request and so um i have another staff members has a it's awesome at excel and puts that all together in a sheet and then um I just keep track of that basically and create assignments based on that and I assign photographers to it. So it's thankfully it's a lot of it is done in advance. So it's stuff isn't popping up during the week, which I mean, a couple of things do, but we, um, we have it, uh, pretty well sorted by the time we get there. And, um, my goal is always like, I have all the photographers kind of know what they're going to cover before they're even on the grounds. Um, and that was all set up by my my predecessor so i had a really good system to step into um because yeah if with without organizing it i mean it'd be a nightmare yeah definitely i can ima- i can imagine just everybody without the organization everybody just show up and it's like okay um what do we got going on now um you go here you here you here uh, et cetera. yeah yeah i mean you know i just coming as as just a, a regular attendee and everything like i i know i i never saw like you just like how how big the event is uh, you can choose to just like go look at warbirds for a day and maybe not see them all you know and it's yeah there's just a lot and so having a strategy in place is essential yeah i know i was completely overwhelmed uh my first time at airventure was 2017 and okay. i just remember walking on setting foot on the grounds and i was just walking around i wasn't even taking pictures i was just like just walking down just looking with my jaw dropped at how massive everything was and mm-hmm. it's yeah, definitely a daunting task to cover everything so hey, you got it all you got it going pretty well there well, i have 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 had a lot of help so it's it's not just all me it's... yeah i think the one fun thing about air venture is that you know it's as much as it's the same every year it's equally different and, you know, the layout may change in a certain area and really throws you off, but, you know, a certain, another area is, you know, pretty much the same as it was. And it's just kind of forever evolving. Um, but I feel like, you know, that's, that's the air show that I go to every year and I'm at the longest and, you know, trying to push myself not to shoot the exact frame that I shot the previous year right? or try a different angle or just try to do something different than, um, you know, than I've seen not trying to copy somebody else, but just trying to, you know, explore the whole place. And, um, I, I know, you know, having the access that, that we have as, as, um, you know, volunteers for EAA, it kind of opens that up a little bit, but, you know, basically you don't need to stand at show center during the air show to capture the best images of the air show, in my opinion. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think mean, like the, I, as I think we've all demonstrated, there's there's a lot of other places to watch the show to get some cool stuff. So that's that's definitely for sure. I remember uh, back in 2018, which was my first year volunteering. You know, when I realized I had the kind of had the gold key to to move around where I where I wanted to. You know, my initial plan was you know go right to show center, and I didn't have people in front of me and unobstructed view, and everything was you know, was amazing and that's great. But 
other than having to work for it a lot harder the previous years, I had the exact same stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, this year, 2019, uh, you know, really just focused on trying to go clear down to opposite ends of the runway in different days, and and get you know some approaches, uh, you know, departures, just all the all the different different possible angles that you might get with a mile long runway. Yeah, exactly. But how would you say that, you know, you, you kind of talked about your, um, you know, your creative brain is going all the time. Are you, are you thinking about new places to shoot during the year that you haven't shot before? Or does that, does that thought cross your mind during the, during the winter months? Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. And I, you know, like, honestly, I think of like, yeah, where, you know, where can we, where can I get other people and everything, you know, cause that's, that's mm-hmm. the benefit to having like the team like that is we can kind of get people in all, all different places and get it from all different angles. But yeah, it's definitely, uh, it's one of those things I'm always thinking about and just like, yeah, where can we go? Um, one, th- so, uh, Camden Thrasher, um, who has been on our team the last two years, I, uh, I, I had followed him on social media for, for quite some time and just, you know, his photography is primarily a, a motorsports uh, photographer for those who don't know. Um, but he has the ability, um, to use motion like with crazy, super slow shutter speeds. Um, and just things from different angles that like I've never thought of. Um, and so having him on board and seeing what he sees, uh, it was just really eye-opening, and so I try to think about from that perspective. Like it's helped me too, uh, like a ton. Just think about um, so maybe like actually stand way behind the crowd and pan really slow, and so you get all kinds of crazy motion and more color in there that you wouldn't when you're way up front. You know, so not even thinking about like going in areas where there's stuff in the way on purpose. Like it's not, you know, I can, you know, remember just coming up like thinking all I wanted was to be in front of everybody else and have a clear view. And it's like, well, actually the coolest shot might be if you're standing way back behind everybody. Right. Um, yeah. I've like tremendously enjoyed uh, my friendship with him and like any time he shoots something, I'm always learning from whatever he's doing. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. He's uh he's got some voodoo wizardry going on there with what he's, yeah. what he produces. It's, it's some crazy stuff. It is. It is just awesome to watch. <laughs> Why don't you describe what what a typical day is during Air Venture for for yourself or or the volunteers? Um, you know, kind of what the what all goes into that. Sure. Um, so if uh, if I'm doing air to air in that, I'm usually to the photo plane. I think by like quarter to six, like five forty five, something like that. Um, and we do that, and then I come back. You know, head to the building. Um, and we're usually, I think we try to keep like on the air to airs about 15 minutes with every airplane. So that can be, you know, 45 minutes to an hour in the air, um, and back to the building and, you know, just kind of check in and see what, what we have on board for the day, see how everybody's doing, we got any issues, anything like that. Um, and then, you know, while morning light is still good, I'll usually try to get out and shoot. Um, and like this last year, I was shooting on my way coming back from, from doing the air to airs. Um, and usually I'll have like a couple assignments of my own that I, I go shoot throughout the day. Um, usually like I eat lunch and edit, um, sinking through that. And then it's, you know, it's just, uh, keeping up with everybody, uh, 
Let me go and shoot statics or something. I mean, it's just like it is constantly moving. There's if I'm either shooting, editing, you know, just kind of doing the managing thing. Um, and like all through the night, or not all through the night, but all through the afternoon um, into the night. Um, if it's a day where we don't have a night air show, uh, I'll usually try and go out and shoot some area at sunset um, and come back and probably edit till um, I, as, as long as I can stay up, basically. If I'm, if I'm doing air to air the next morning, which I don't think I did any back-to-backs, just on purpose so because i need to stay awake and function during the day um i I was usually trying to head head back to get some sleep a little bit early but i mean there have been nights like the nighttime is really the only time like when when there's not the night air show that's like your only time to edit really and really get caught up when there isn't stuff to be shot um so yeah there's a lot of late nights in a row and then early mornings and if it's so if it's not a morning where i'm doing an air to air um our our staff, our content team, we have a, a meeting in, in my building at, I think, 7 a.m. every morning that we go over just, you know, the highlights of the day, like if there's a big airplane coming in, you know, like the, they're physically big or just it's a big deal, like the 747 uh, freighter that came in this year is kind of that, both both large in size and a big deal, um, but other, you know, like the Rutan coming in in the Starship, um, just stuff like that we have, we're keeping track of. Um, so we have a briefing on that. You know, we talk about if there's, uh, just a neat airplane that we just want to make sure we capture it in the area it is. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's then a, a non-air-to-air morning, regular day starts like that. And then it's, you know, it's the same sort of thing. Go out and shoot while well, you can just check in with everybody. Um, it's and we have a joke that like you get middle of the the week which isn't you know for us it really like the event kind of starts on friday like we move we move into the building like our offices on thursday and then like from friday through to the following sunday that's it's all just kind of one big thing and we have this joke on that like you'll get somewhere in the middle of that you're like yeah what day is it it's uh blur's day that's that's what it is because it you know <laughs> you end up like your uh your, your days are just so much longer than usual it's it's hard to keep track of of what's going on there so which i'm sure you guys know how that goes yeah it um uh, it always seems like it's a delicate balance of trying to get content out so that the EA social media can use it and collecting what's going on on the field yeah. because you can't do both at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. And I guess, yeah, something that kind of glossed over is that, yeah, we're, we're, everybody's kind of actively editing and making selects during the week. So, cause we have a Flickr feed that's ongoing um, and keep it I'd, like everybody does an awesome job of, of getting stuff together so we can keep that, that Flickr feed active and almost, almost live, you know, if you will, um, just, you know, for the people, there's not, not everybody's fortunate enough to go to it. And so I think that's a big responsibility we have of just presenting it so people can see what's going on, um, and have good documentation if they're not able to make the show. And then, um, I guess what's in the, in the case of what, what Ryan and I do, um, what's kind of the ultimate goal for, um, you know, what we, what we shoot and, and edit, um, not only what we leave, you know, Oshkosh with, but, um, you know, we 
go home and, and cull through everything a lot tighter and, and try to edit as much as we can and, and then send that. What's the, what's the ultimate goal? What happens with those photos? Yeah. So they, they get put into our archive system and then, um, so if, I mean, you guys are, are both members, um, with sport aviation, um, we'll do, um, in the, the issues after AirVenture, there will be, there's one like big photo essay on, on the event itself. And then the specific, uh, Warbirds, uh, home builds and vintage all kind of get their own photo essay in, in further issues. And so like the goal is really to, to capture all of those areas, you know, in, in the most unique way, but still making sure we get like an accurate representation of everything was there. Um, did I say that right? Maybe it's yeah. <laughs> just, you, you know, yeah, you want, you want to cover everything, but that's, you know, that's, what's great about, uh, my team of volunteers is everybody's got a different eye and they all look at it in a different way. Uh, and so we come away with just, you know, really, really unique views of, of everything that had happened, but that's, yeah, the goal is just to, you know, kind of capture as much of the event as we possibly can in the most unique way possible. Yeah. That's one thing It it seems like, you know, with all the different personalities and, you know, you've, you've got some people that are, that really excel at event photography the people, the, you know, the, the kid eating the funnel cake, you know, that just makes you realize, you know, how special the place is. And then you've got other people that are, you know, like Camden, that's just an absolute artist. And it's, it's really neat to see all the different, uh, you know, flavors of photography, I guess, that, that are there, you know, when, when you bring a group of volunteers from all over the country and even the world for that matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's, and, and that's the thing, like it's, you could just look at it on paper and be like, oh, yeah, it's just big air show and flying. But, I mean, it's like it's really a, a city within a city, and there's there's everything you could imagine going on is, and, and a lot, we have to capture a lot of it. So, yeah, having, you know, having photographers that can, that can capture people and events is just as important as somebody that can get airplanes really well. Are we leaving out anything with AirVenture? I'm I'm sure we probably missed something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. well, it's, you know, it's only a week long. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, but it's that was something. Um, so I was I was a like an official volunteer on the photo team in 2017 um, for the first time. And that was that was my actual first time uh, coming for the week in its entirety. Um, I had only because I I lived an hour away. I'd always just drive over for a couple days, um, and had never actually camped out. Um, and that's like truly like the Saturday and Sunday before, like that's, there's arrivals happening. I mean, this last year with the weather, it wasn't quite, quite like that, but ideally, you know, you have arrivals coming in and there's, there's stuff to be had there. And I, you know, I never realized that like, there's yeah, a lot, a lot of awesome stuff that happens that that Sunday before the event is actually officially started. Yeah. I've been going there since, uh, 2008, I believe. And I've still never, in fact, this last year was the longest that I'd been there, and that was Wednesday afternoon through Sunday afternoon. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's that's a long time, so I can't imagine what it's like for you guys that are there, you know, all the time before, and then you know, show up and and just be there, you know, almost twenty four seven during the week. It's it's pretty intense, right? And to be honest, like for me personally, the the hardest part of all of it is the following Monday after when 
all the airplanes are gone, all my friends are gone. It's it leaves a void. Like it's not fun. And then and then we kind of just go back to the the office life, and it's it's like going from 100 miles an hour to zero like in an instant, and it's it's not fun. I know uh, when uh, early December I was up in up in Oshkosh, uh, went up to a Packers game with my my dad and my brother and my father-in-law, and and uh, we actually wound up staying in Oshkosh. Uh, stayed at the Hilton garden Inn, that is basically the Taj Mahal during, uh, during air venture. Right, That's where right. all the, you know, the famous people and <laughs> mm-hmm. those that have the wherewithal to stay there, stay. And, um, uh, you know, didn't have any issue getting a room and, you know, the outside of the, the Packer fans that were there, the hotel was relatively empty and the North 40 didn't have a single airplane in it. And it was just really bizarre to see that. It, yeah. the, the grounds during the the off season it's it's just weird to me like i remember the first time seeing that like it it doesn't even look the same honestly like with with everything out of there and that that first week i assume that where where you can see all of the all the traffic around where aircraft used to be parked and kind of see all those ghost imprints on the ground's got to be a little strange yep yeah very much so and it's i it's shocking to see like how you know we're we're leading up to this uh leaving our you know our our facilities and our our grounds crews they're you know they're out there uh way way in advance and stuff is going up um so there's this long build up to it and then i mean it it just comes comes down and apart and is done so fast it's it's crazy well it's a it's a good time for sure and something i always pencil in on my calendar and have no intentions of of stopping anytime soon. Uh, it's great to hear. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, shall we move on? EA puts out uh, several publications, each tailored to different interests throughout the year. Can you tell us what those magazines are about and what your involvement is with them? Yeah, you bet. Um, so obviously we have Sport Aviation, which uh, if you're an EA member, you get that's our, our flagship. Um, and then our three divisions each have a magazine and so that's IAC which is aerobatics uh vintage airplane vintage association and then uh warbirds of america magazine um and i um like for i think i'm probably most involved with sport aviation cuz there's ads and other segments that i shoot like exclusively for that um and a lot of the the stories we travel and capture go for that magazine um but then with uh stories for, for for the other three, I also, um, there's, uh, that's, that's almost all like specifically aircraft photography that, that I provide for that. How does that typically work out? Does, um, you know, is the editor come up with the stories and the, the writers write them and then say, Hey, I need photos of this, this, and this, or how does that, how does that kind of go together? Yeah, it's, it's a bit of both. Um, like we capture, we, we, gather i guess and capture a lot of a lot of stuff uh during your venture and the the writers for the magazines are here you know picking out airplanes um the the stuff like aside from your venture uh, a lot is just you know it's something that we come up that uh that my boss sees that like oh yeah i'm gonna send you guys and you're gonna get this story um yeah uh, the yeah, you pretty much like last fall got to go to Blakesburg for uh, AAA, the Antique Airplane Association. There, um, they're flying, which is it's not a public event. It's a 
Um, it's a reunion of their members is the way they put it. Um, but just, it's totally awesome. It's, it's like the, the field of dreams kind of thing. Just out in the, the middle of the cornfields, there's this old, uh, like 1920s aerodrome that just all kinds of vintage airplanes pile into. Uh, it's a grass runway and there's all sorts of different places to shoot from it. It's just super cool. Um, so there's stuff like that, um, that we know well in advance and it's something that hasn't been in the magazines before. So we'll go. Uh, we'll go out and capture that. When you do something like that, um, if I remember right, you, you wound up with some air-to-airs there, didn't you? Um, at Blakesburg? No, I just um, uh, I just did some air-to-ground, uh, which I enjoy anyway of that. Um, yeah. I did, yeah, there's some, uh, some of them, it just, we, we either talk to someone we know that's going to be there, or it just kind of lines up there that there is a photo ship and we can brief a, a mission. Uh, that one, I, I didn't get to do any air-to-air. Um, the prior time I was in Iowa, which would have been uh, really early July of 2018, uh, we caught the, uh, the Barnstormers of America tour there um, and got to go up in a travel air and shoot. Actually ended up being like five different uh, the travelers on the tour, which was amazing. That was, that was super cool. So kind of staying on that air to air topic, you know, that rarely do I see a, a story in any of the EA publications that don't have some air to air photography. Um, pretty safe to say you're responsible for a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, when it, you know, when it works out, we have, you know, we have contacts across the country that, that are very capable of, of shooting that stuff. Um, so when it's something like that, I'm sent to do it usually. Yes. Or if it's, it's something during air venture, um, I'm usually the one shooting those. And it's, you know, it's funny, like all of us coming up, I mean, you think like that's that, that's it like air to air. That's the like the awesome thing. But I, like in the magazine, um, that's, that's definitely like visually a huge part of the story, but like almost more importantly is the, you know, the static stuff, uh, capturing all the details of the airplane. Um, you know, it's maybe doesn't seem quite as, as exciting or as glamorous, but it's like as important, if not more important. Cause honestly, if something like if air to air isn't possible for something, um, you can get away, uh, or I, sh- I shouldn't say get away. You can, you can have a story with just ground photos. Cause you know, you can, you can get really creative with representing the whole airplane on the ground with different angles versus you can't really have a story with just air to air photos. You know, you need those, those close up details of either the cockpit, um, and just all the, especially like the home built stuff. I remember there was a, a Zenith, uh, that I shot, uh, statics of 2018, uh, that the guy just put an incredible amount of work into all the details on there. Um, he had machined a bunch of stuff for in the cockpit. Uh, and it's, you know, stuff like that, that you just can't quite see from the air to air. So that's, um, the, the static stuff is just, just crucial to, to the stories. Yeah, I feel like that actually gives gives the story some artistic flair too, because it seems like you wind up with a lot of very shallow depth of field, uh, you know, views of the of the details that you're talking about. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a yeah. It's kind of a it, it's equal. Like, oh, a lot of my job is equal. You know, you think of like journalistic photography where you're just it's not really that artistic. You're you're just really wanting to document exactly what's there, which so there's some of that. But then, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity to like get really artistic with it where you you, know, you play with shallow depth of field, like you said. Um, 
and it's it's really fun and that's you know where uh like coming up into aviation photography like i i had no no way of doing air to air like i didn't i didn't know anyone with a photo ship uh my home airport i knew a couple guys that had airplanes but they they had never flown formation so it was like definitely out of the question um of doing any air to air and so i just like really tried to work really hard on getting cool stuff on the ground um and i i really enjoy um stuff like i like walking through the the mustang corral at, at sunset and just i i don't think about anything else uh my like my mind is completely free i'm just there with the airplanes just finding whatever details I can, whatever shot comes into my mind next. Uh, it's the most freeing thing. And that was something I, I found when I really, like when I got a DSLR and really got into it, What, regardless of what I was shooting, when I was out shooting, like, but it's, it's really therapeutic for me. Like, I don't think about like any of my other like life problems or whatever. It's just what's going on right now. And it's, I, I really enjoy it. Staying on the topic of air to air, um, you know, that's, in most cases, not something that, uh, that you just, you know, hop out and do. Um, I'm just kind of curious how you got into that and kind of what your first experiences were like. Yeah. Uh, so, so I, I got hired, uh, having not, not done air to, any air to air, which was, um, you know, it was fine. Like that, that was on the table and well known. Um, and my boss has a really good relationship with Scott Slocum and I, um, I, I had mentioned, you know, that I was, cause he had, he had asked if I had done any and I, basically you know said what i told you guys where i like no because i don't i don't really know anybody that's comfortable flying with each other um so i've never like obviously like the the want was very much there and i had been really looking at maybe doing one of uh scott's uh workshops that he does and uh i had mentioned that when once i got hired he said well uh scott's gonna train you like he's agreed like he's gonna gonna get you started on that and get the intro and so i actually i basically came down to your uh backyard which I, that's kind of what how we met nick right sort of is when i was there um so well didn't meet you there but yeah. since i was there you're like oh yeah EA was kinda, here yeah yep, yeah kind of made the connection yeah, anyways yeah kind of connected us together but uh anyway so i went to um to to wichita where uh greg largen um who's our photo pilot during air venture uh just tremendous guy unreal pilot like it's it's just a pleasure flying with him but uh anyway uh I, w I went down there and uh we had uh my first ever so scott you know talked me through like basically everything i needed to know um and it was you know being a fan of of his work for a long time prior to that it was it was truly surreal to have him there teaching me um how, how to do air to air basically and uh so he talked me through all of the, the ground briefing stuff, and we talked about the aspects of the photography um, and what you're looking for once you're up in the air. Uh, and so the, the guys there at uh, Stearman Field uh, had uh, Randy Hardy in his uh, Cessna 310. That was the, the first ever airplane I shot. Um, and, yeah, just, just seeing something else close in on you, um, like another airplane like that, it's, it's unlike anything else, and it's pretty exciting. Um, and I... I find a lot, even stuff I shoot today, um, I get, you know, really focused on the mission at hand that 
that the excitement kind of like that's in the the back of my brain because I, I get asked a lot like oh yeah air to air must be the most exciting thing like the, the best part is like afterwards and reviewing the image and everything everybody did their job and it came together I'm like okay this is awesome and there are there are some moments when you're up in the air that you have a minute to pause and just really take everything in um but yeah so I shot um his 310 and then Vic in his L19 um, those were the, the first two airplanes, and then um, later in the same day, we did uh, two Stearmans, uh, Randy and uh, Vic, again in their Stearmans, and then um, uh, Rex and his T6, and kind of so kind of got a mix of a multi-engine airplane, slow stuff, some two-ship, and then the T6 was something faster, um, and, and it was, yeah, it was really uh, just a, like a all immersion just right in at once uh, had a lot lot to think about um, and there uh, those guys are all awesome pilots as is Greg and so it, it really came together and that's the that that's the, the biggest thing you know I think like you could you could teach the photography part to, to anyone it's not not too tricky it's really the getting the airplane where you want it in front of the the background you want and having having a good pilot in the subject airplane as well as having a um a good photo pilot is is that's the most important thing and then of course um you know spending a lot of time in the briefing one for for safety which is the most important thing but then like two um I, when I can, I, I try to storyboard out like all the shots that I've thought about and I show it to them or I find, you know, pictures that are similar to the shot I'm thinking about and say like, hey, this is what we want to go for. So then my our pilot has an idea of what he's going to be doing, which I think leads to more success. And that's something that Scott taught me. Um, and I think it's super valuable. Yeah. Memory serves me correctly. You had pretty nasty weather that weekend. Um, It was it was bad, like the day before we we lucked out the day of it was um the so like i came down on a friday like we all met up and just talked about the task at hand and we were talking about shooting the steerman's first thing that morning and it was cold <laughs> and, uh and like we all just kind of agreed like uh, like we don't have to go up and like so so randy and vic didn't freeze we decided to push that to the evening but uh I, we actually lucked out, honestly. The the evening, um, it was uh, like broken overcast is what I'd call it, uh, which kind of worked out because um, we ended up having, you know, where you have the, the sun kind of goes through and you have the fingers coming down. Um, we had quite a bit of that, which, which made for some pretty amazing photos. Um, and then um, with the T6, we were actually able to get above the cloud layer, which is, that's t- talking about like surreal experiences, having it like be with another airplane above the clouds like that is, is amazing. Um, so it actually like it worked out. And I think, like, I think it, the weather was bad, like it was foggy the next morning, uh, but it worked out for when we needed it. Yeah, I was, I was bummed that uh, it didn't work out to go out and see what you guys were doing, but uh, I don't remember where I was, but not, not around. Yeah, and it was, you know, since it was really a, a training thing, it wasn't, you know, something that we were, like, widely advertising at all, right. you know. But, yeah, afterwards, obviously, we got some good stuff, so it pushed that out on social media, and I think that's where you reached out, and you're like, hey, I'm in, I'm in Wichita, and I can shoot. Yep. And we're like, awesome. <laughs> yeah. So. So I think it's now time for the tip of the show. Uh, tip of the show was basically, could be anything, could be a... Uh, Simple tip for photography, could be social media related. Um, 
the tip that I wanted to share this week is specific to Instagram and something that I believe I've stumbled upon to help grow my followers. Um, thanks to our friend uh, Larry Griffiths, um, you know, kind of pointing out the the always be posting method of the best way to organically grow followers on Instagram is to post two to three times a day and interact with your followers. And I agree wholeheartedly that this is the best way to do it. But one thing that I've noticed here recently is what's known as the carousel or swipe posts. And um, basically the, the concept here is to um, export your photo in an aspect ratio that can then be sliced in half. And then you post the first image, image on the left, and then the second image would be would be the image on the right. And with Instagram, you can swipe back and forth between the two. Um, one thing this does also afford is for a uh, tighter uh, zoom on your photo and also better resolution. Um, while that's more visually pleasing, the one thing that I have figured out is that if somebody sees a photo and has not liked it, um, when they swipe through again, that will remain in their feed and they will see the second half of the photo, which gives a second opportunity for somebody to like your photo. So while not, uh, not one absolute certain thing that's going to make your followers grow, it's something that I've noticed here recently and had a lot of success with and thought I would share. So with that being said, uh, why don't you guys tell the listeners where they can find your work and we'll start with you, Connor. Yeah, uh, so I'm on uh, Instagram. My handle is my first name, so it's Connor, C-O-N-N-O-R, the letter M for Badison, uh, 415 photo. So something a little tricky. I think if you search my name, Connor Madison, it should come up. Um, I repost a lot of stuff from EAA. Uh, I need to, I could work on my own original content a little bit more, but definitely uh, you'll see a bunch of my stuff on EAA's account, which is just simply EAA. Um, also, same with Facebook um, there, uh, and you can find me on Facebook, just at Connor Madison. Add me if you want. It's, it's cool. You'll see lots of airplanes, guitars, dogs, cats. That's, that's basically me. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, Ty, how about you? You can find me on uh, Instagram. My handle is Rye, and then dash Ty, or you know, Ryan Tykosh, Rye Ty, a little nickname that they call me here at Full Disc, <laughs> and and then uh, another dash photo, so Rye Ty Photo on Instagram. And Facebook is just uh, Ryan Tykosh Photography. I haven't been as active on that, but I will be uh, soon. And uh, you can also see my stuff at Full Disc Aviation. Uh, couple of uh, EAA's posts as well, and yeah, on to you, Nick. All right, you can find me on Instagram at gravity.images, and on Facebook, just search for Gravity Images. There are two of us, and I'm the one with the airplanes. And that should do it for this episode. I really want to say thank you to Connor and Ryan for taking the time out of their day to join us. Uh, I look forward to seeing you both at AirVenture 2020, and this is Nick Moore signing off until next time on the Full Disc Aviation Podcast. Full Disc Aviation is a group of aviation photographers and enthusiasts that are passionate about sharing our love for aviation with you. Visit our website at fulldiscaviation.com for exclusive interviews, stories, and photo galleries, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram for frequent content updates. Also, please leave us a review in iTunes. We always welcome any feedback that can improve the show. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Full Disc Aviation Podcast. And don't forget, 
Full disc begins at 1 60th. 